All right, we are the Trophy Husbands. I'm Marcus. I'm a peach ring. <laughs> and I am Nick. And we say this just as Steve tries his very first peach ring. The crowd is in a hush. Let's go. <laughs> Have I steered you wrong yet? It's like a gummy worm that's connected. Why, thank you, sir. Mm-hmm. Yeah, gummy worm that was eating its own ass. A very tasty ass-eating gummy worm. It's a, um... Ah, oh shoot, what the hell is that called? Human centipede. <laughs> no. <laughs> yep. Wait until they come out with the human centipede gummy rings. You shut the fuck up and you leave. Right. <laughs> I'll have another one. This is good. I'll have another one. <laughs> no, you... I got... These are good. Yeah, they're fucking delicious, aren't they? Mm-hmm. Alright, so in the previous episode... Last time on Trophy Husbands. Yeah. I found out Steve was fucking heathen. And had never had peach rings before. We found out... We found out Marcus's trigger. That's refreshing. Yeah, like, it's not like when you get, like, gummies with the the stuff on them. It's usually, like, soury. And it's, like, biting. It's a very... It's it's like a, a cool tasting. It's like a fine wine of gummies. Yeah, I like it. It's a good gummy. See, so you get these, and then you soak them in peach vodka, and then, you know... You throw back a few. That does sound good. <laughs> yes, mm-hmm. last last episode, we found out that Marx's trigger is if you haven't had peach rings before. I'll have another one. I got a fucking... I got two bags of them, so... They are fucking scrumptious. They are. I'm, I'm with you when you're just like, that's part of my childhood. It was part of my childhood as well. Yeah, hell yeah. You go to the little corner stores and they had them like mm-hmm. five in a baggie for a quarter. Exactly. Hell yeah. You know what's weird? Watching taffy get made. When, like You mean like the old school taffy when they like stretch it out and you use like the hook and everything? It's like some guy with a big like mustache. Da 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 Taffy is being made. It's just manhandled. and t- That's why there's so much salt in it, because it's like, it's just manhandled. It's interesting to see, because you don't, I mean, taffy is pretty durable, relatively speaking, but at the same time, when you're seeing, like, them working it with, like, the hooks and all that stuff, like, I would think taffy, when it's, especially when it's heated up and everything, would just, like, fall right off that hook, but, I mean, it stays on there firmly. It's, it's weird to see. I don't know how the FDA approached the, the taffy companies when they were like, there's just too much man sweat in this. <laughs> <laughs> this smells like aftershave and sweat. What is the flavor of this taffy? Peppermint. <laughs> <laughs> accurate. <laughs> really fucking accurate. That's what I do. I'm accurate. <laughs> Precision. <laughs> Okay, Hawkeye. <laughs> Precision Steve. But yeah, I mean, that's, uh... I mean, anytime you see anything getting made kind of thing, like, it, I'm sure you guys have seen any of those numerous documentaries, or I think uh, History Channel even used to have a show that's called, like, How's It Made? Or something like that. Yeah. And they'd go into factories and show you how potato chips are made, how chocolate is made, how anything under the sun is made, and a lot of it's kind of curious. Mm-hmm. And then, I mean, we live right by Hershey, so we've all yeah. taken the chocolate factory tour. 
You know what's sad? They closed that, uh, the Wolfgang over here. Oh, did they? Yeah. Huh. I didn't see that. They had, like, a going out of business sale. Yeah, that is sad. I don't think it was was... a factory anymore. I think it was just, like, a distribution anymore. Gotcha. I think so. And all they had was the gift shop, and they didn't do the tour anymore. Mm. So what do they do with the Oompa Loompas now that they... (laughs) Chocolate factory is shut down. (laughs) They they melted them down and put them in the chocolate. (laughs) <laughs> Steve's a terrible person. Chocolate <laughs> bar. We just got confirmed. Now right with there. 50 more percent Oompa. Wonka. <laughs> Wonka Oompa. <laughs> Oompa Loompas. This tastes like fear. <laughs> <laughs> this, like, this tastes like fear and oppression. Have you watched Okaja yet? No, but I, I saw it on Netflix. Like the... It's good. It's entertaining. What is that? It's the, the one where they... Because the world, which will probably end up happening, and they're running out of food. So they come up with this, like, pig that they've created in a lab. Oh, I've seen, I have seen the trailer for that. That's, like, the gigantic pig. Yeah, the super like pig. Like, the little girl or whatever. Uh-huh. Yeah, okay, they, okay. Yeah, I did see a trailer for They that. send it out to, like, I think 12 farmers around the world, and whoever makes gives the pig the best diet or whatever is, like, the winner, and they give him a bunch of money or something. Super pig breeding farms. Wave of the future! <laughs> well, I was watching that, and, uh, or I saw the trailer, and all that kept on coming to my mind was, like, this makes me think of Totoro. The thing is fucking adorable. It's disgusting looking, but it's, like, <laughs> adorable looking at the same time. Alright. Like, there's a scene where she has to rub its butt so it can poop. Gross. What's life? Sometimes you gotta get your butt rubbed to poop. It's really irritating, though. I mean, I normally just drink a cup of coffee. Co- I can't. Coffee absolutely destroys my stomach. Really? Yeah, like, just I don't... Just too acidic for you? Yeah, I just don't like it. Nah, like, I, I, I drink a cup of coffee, and it's like... Within ten minutes, it's like instant run. <laughs> well, yeah, it, like, parts of coffee are natural laxatives, so yeah. it's like... You wanna be awake? You're gonna have to poop a lot. <laughs> <laughs> Want to be awake? You'll be awake while you poop. It's like the opposite of liquor, but it's just like, hey man, you want to sleep? You're going to poop a lot. (laughs) Either way, you want to be awake or you want to go to sleep? Get the job done. As we all know, and we've discussed this before, you don't feel rested after a... After a drunk sleep. No, you just feel like your body has been part of a zombie vessel, (laughs) and you need to eat all the greasy shit you can get your hands on. You know, it's fucking delicious. I like Blair's chicken, mm-hmm. but I think a close second to Blair's chicken is fucking Royal Farms chicken. I knew that was coming. Royal Farms chicken is really good. It's just never done anything for me. I mean, we've discussed this before. Yes, we have. We have. It has never done anything for me. You are the odd man out. I, I know I am. And, like, I don't even... I consider KFC better than Royal Farms. Like, honest to God. Uh, it tastes better to me. No. You know what? Royal, Royal Farms doesn't taste like manufactured, whereas, like, you can taste the manufactured in KFC. <laughs> you can. You can. You're it not tastes like factory. Mmm, <laughs> that tastes like a... That tastes like a factory worker's finger. Mm, I'm kidding. I've never had a factory it's worker's the, finger. Mm, that I know. So you know. <laughs> it was just his toe. <laughs> Nail. <laughs> Nothing like a good old finger sandwich. That's a staple in Russia. Especially if you're coming in with alternative facts. 
or not uh, enough alternative facts. Who uh, I wonder if they just like Mad Libs facts, quote unquote, <laughs> now because none of this shit makes sense. I think that's what they must do. They have like a, a Mad Lib book of facts, and they just yeah. ask Trump a whole like, give me a noun, give me a verb. Here's what I like about uh, his replacement for the press secretary. I like that now he's finally admitted, basically, that he's a mobster and he's hiring mobsters to run mm-hmm. to run the country. Just, just, just hiring a guy with the last name Scarmucci. Like, <laughs> come on. Yeah. The Scarmucci family, we uh, are looking for a little side business. How about you make us press secretary? <laughs> Pretty much. Of course, yeah. NPR, it was funny because I heard... When he was getting introduced to the media and everything, uh, his little speech that he gave, and my thought while listening to it was, man, this guy sounds like a bro. And I'm listening to this on NPR, and it goes back to the NPR commentators, and the first thing the NPR commentator says is like, yeah, he seems like a really likable person, he's he's very bro-ish. And I just started buzzing up laughing, like, I had that exact same thought. Yeah. Scarmucci. Scarmucci. But I mean, my boss's son. If you're if you're gonna shake down other countries, do you really want somebody that doesn't know what the fuck they're doing? He's just the press secretary. He just goes out there and yells at the press like Sean Spicer. Hopefully, has, he won't be like Sean Spicer. Has taught every press secretary sets. Just go out and yell. Ah! <laughs> it was the biggest inaugural crowd ever. They finally came out and said. Never mind. <laughs> no, they came out. I think someone did research on the on the two pictures, and they said, "Nope, that crowd had the biggest. The Obama one did. Sorry, because he was very upset by the fact that his was tiny because of his tiny hands. <laughs> anything that de- anything that deals with tiny around him, he's just like, no, not real, not true. Triggered. It's all gotta be bigly." <laughs> Big, exactly. It's all got to be bigly. Tiny is Trump's trigger word. Yeah. He's not compensating at all <laughs> for anything. Tiny brain, tiny hands, tiny little brain. <laughs> <laughs> hey. No, he's got the bigliest things ever. <laughs> it's like a Pringles can. I get this image. Now I got this image of, like, because I was watching this guy, and he builds, like, cosplay outfits or whatever. Okay. Mm-hmm. Now, and he built, like, the like a Warhammer. Um, oh, neat. 40K. Um, cosplay. Nice. I was thinking it'd be really funny if Trump hired that guy to build a bigger version of himself. <laughs> so that Mecca Trump, Trump. Whenever Trump goes out to do anything, he just gets into his Trump suit to walk outside. <laughs> To give speeches and whatnot. I feel like it would just be like, um, <laughs> that just makes me think of, of Sonic, where Dr. Robotnik built mm-hmm. that gigantic metal form of himself. And so, like, I just start, when you're saying about him going out and talking with people, I just start suddenly getting, like, the battle music for that, because that was always the final boss in the Sonic games. Like, that battle music started playing in my head as I'm seeing this robotic Trump walk out of the White House. Or Luke will just buy one, so now he's taller. <laughs> Because he likes being tall. We know. We know. We've all heard. And then the first question would be, Mr. Trump, I think you're trying to compensate for something. 
What are you talking about? Look at these hands! They're, <laughs> Look at them. They're huge! I am not trying to compensate, but if I was, let me tell you, you would know because I am the best at compensating. I compensate better than anybody else. Believe me, just ask anyone and I compensate great. That's actually fairly accurate. <laughs> I mean, I, I can literally hear him saying that. Here's the thing. If they need another press secretary, they can just hire me. I'll talk out of my ass for money. Hire I the talk trophy out of, husbands. I talk out of my ass for free. <laughs> hire so. the trophy husbands as your press secretary. It'll yeah. be great. Yeah. I'll get up there and do my Trump impression, and then every every single press conference, we can just put out as an episode. He said some weird thing. I listened to some of it, and while I listened to it, I did hear some weird things. Like, he called the White House a palace and he said he loved Trump. And I was like... Oh, so he, like said, he said he loved Trump like six or seven times in like a five minute speech. I love him. I love him. I love him. I love Trump. I love him. But the thing that him call that was a trigger word for me, what he called the, the White, White House, House a palace. palace. It's like... It's America's palace. Yeah, but at the same time, it's America. There ain't no palace. <laughs> right, it's not a kingdom. I mean, that's one of the things that uh, <clears throat> George Washington actually tried to avoid when he was elected president. They were trying to figure out, like, what to call him. And there was a handful of people like, oh, well, let's just call him His Majesty and all that kind of stuff. And he's like, no, like, we're not doing that. If George Washington was the one who's just like, no, we're just going to do Mr. President. Like, that's perfectly fine because we're not trying to build a kingdom here. But um, if they got us into the kingdom house, it'd be great. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. If you want to... I don't think they'd ever invite us in. I think since episode one, we've been ragging on Trump. Well, it's kind of funny. We kind of rag on everybody, that though. He got, that he was like... He 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 went out and saw, sought out that interview with mm -hmm. the New York Times. No. You mean the failing New York Times. Oh, right. The failing <laughs> New York Times. Fake News Central. Exactly. <coughs> if you need somebody to talk out of your ass, fantastic. How the fuck can we get paid that much money to never be right? <laughs> I want to a weatherman? You're right. <laughs> One of the few one of the few occupations you could be flat out fucking wrong on a daily basis and still keep your job. But being a weatherman takes like a gazillion years of schooling and bullshit. Now I just wanna go and wear a really nice suit and talk shit. If you really think about it, if you think about that old Chappelle show skit, the player haters ball, oh, yeah. that's all the shit is now. Yeah, yeah, is, <coughs> you're right. You're completely right. Yeah, like, I, I don't give a fuck. I wear a purple suit to the press conference, and I talk shit on everybody in front of the, all the news media, and just shit on everyone's day. It'll be great. I was listening to a thing about him. I remember um, I remember being in the car, and we were listening to NPR. And they were talking about the Chappelle show and how, I think it was going on its third season, like, they mm -hmm. were going to start filming it. Or whatever, and like at some point during the filming, like I think about like might have been a white writer was laughing at one of his jokes, or la and it was like a super racist joke that he made, yeah. and he got really upset that uh, this white guy was laughing at because he felt like 
he wasn't laughing with him. He's laughing, laughing at, at him. him. Yeah, like the joke missed the mark. Right. Mm-hmm. Well, you're going to have that. Yeah, I mean, I, as a kid I thought that, but like now I, I kind of get it better. Like, you just... I mean... You do. You can overstep. You can oh, absolutely, over, absolutely. Both comedian and listener can overstep their bounds. Yeah, one of the um, most interesting interviews I ever heard. And I talk about uh, Patrice O'Neill here and there. Some pretty big fan of his. his uh, but he had a he had an interview with um, Opie and Anthony, like probably. About six years ago. And he was talking about, like, the entertainment industry and how he calls it the beast. And, like, it was it was just very interesting about the concepts that he talked about because a lot of the things are still very relevant today. Like, it was back when the Tracy Morgan thing happened. Mm-hmm. And everybody's like, oh, Tracy, like, uh, how could you say these things? But he's just like, Tracy probably owed somebody a favor that he didn't pay back, so they just pushed the button on Tracy, like... Because if you think about Tracy Morgan, he just, like, that was his style, and that was his Sure, thing. absolutely, like, yeah. He'd done that for years, and then out of nowhere, it's just like, uh... Not acceptable anymore. Yeah. And he was just probably like... It's 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 like an, it's like an hour and a half interview, and it's very good. And he talks about how he, he calls the entertainment industry, like, jail, in a sense. Because, you know, how if you ever watched a prison documentary or, or know anybody that's been to prison, one of the things they tell you is... If you can't pay something back, do not take it from anyone. Mm-hmm. Like, if you're hungry or something, just just like wait till your commissary comes in or wait till lunch or whatever. Because what they don't tell you is like, oh, man, hey, you know, I got this Snickers bar for you, blah, blah, blah. And then you take it and you think like, oh, you know, this person's being nice, this person's being charitable. But now then they come back. Favor. Yeah, now you owe them a favor. And he was just like, <clears throat> that's why I don't do things like that because I don't want the you owe call. Mm-hmm. I mean, that, that's, uh, I was going to say, it's essentially, like we were talking earlier, mafia kind of style. It really is. But Unless, except for them, they don't have the wedding, the day of their wedding, their their daughter's wedding, so they can't mm-hmm. be like, one free favor. Yeah, actually spoke about that too, but could you think about being in an industry where it's like, they're so high up, and then it takes like, two or three people to be like, no, we don't like him anymore. Boom. Well, I mean, absolutely. You can see that, obviously, in, like, a Hollywood sense, because... And you see it online all the time, too, where it... it you know, it's clickbait stories, but it's like, why Hollywood won't hire so-and-so anymore? And yeah. it normally literally comes down to, like, a handful of directors or producers who are just like, no, nah, I don't want to work with that person anymore, and that just, like, shuts them completely out. Yeah. But it's it's so crazy that, like, you could just... And it doesn't even have to be like a, like you were disrespectful or this or that. Maybe there was just something that you didn't want to do, like in a role or something like that. Because he was talking about how he worked with uh, Spike Lee's camp. Yeah. And um, he was just like, yeah, Spike gave me all these different opportunities, but he wanted him to try out for a role. And he, like, bypassed his agent and everything. And he was he said he was making, like, good money. Like, he was making, like, $2 million a week. Like, fucking, like, good-ass money. And he bypassed his agent and went like, through everybody. He was like, yo, I want you to do this role. And he's just like, but no, I have to do it like through my agent and through mm-hmm. this and that. Like, if you have things set up, I should have things set up as well. Excuse me. 
I should have things set up as well. So then that way, you know, you're a professional. I'm a professional. He's just like, no, man, just do the role. And he's like, look, I can't. Like, I can't. I want to, but I like, can't. Yeah, yeah, I want to, but, like, I should follow this and, like, move with my team the same way you would move with your team. And he's just like, all right. And he's just like, and just like that, everything stopped. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, it just happened uh, to the actor and voice of Kermit the Frog. I don't know if you guys heard, but... Really? Yeah, the long time... He's been doing it for 26 years. Same dude. And, uh... I, I don't know the full story. There's two different ones coming out. One said he gave notes to a producer or something that were, like, really rude and, like, screaming and shouting kind of thing. And then, according to him, he's like, no, I just... He's shouting the note. Yeah, I, I know. But... All caps. Exactly. Lots of exclamation points. But he said... He I can said, feel you screaming. <laughs> I said, feel threatened no, by this I paper. Gave, uh, <laughs> I gave some some suggestions to a producer that I thought would make this better or whatever, mm-hmm. and, and apparently that's a regular thing for him. Like, he always did that. Yeah. But this one producer didn't like the way that he did it, so they cut him. Yeah. <laughs> so, I, I mean, I don't know... Which story is true, you know, that kind of thing, or I'm sure it's probably somewhere in the middle. But. Yeah, a little bit of a column A, a little bit of column B. Exactly, but yeah, they, they, they just cut out 26 years of doing the same character, and they're like, no, nope, you're done. Yeah. It's, I don't know, that's like, I don't know, it's, it's like, how many, how many people has that happened to that we don't know about? True. That's one of the things, because just like you said, mob tactics... Well, everybody in Hollywood, like all the big people, uh, it like they were again. They they compared it to jail. It's just like nobody just goes to Hollywood and does it by themselves. They have they have some connection to somebody somewhere, and then like, well, it's just interesting when you just see people that like are in something really big or whatever, and then mm-hmm. just off the face of the planet. Like yeah, like he was talking about a. Uh, he was talking about Dane Cook, and he was just like... Oh, yeah, yeah. He was like, it seems like Dane Cook, you know, he's he's washed up. But, I mean, every time Dane Cook goes out, and he'll sell out a 5,000-seat theater, it's just not Dane Cook Day anymore. Yeah. I mean, to be fair, I do feel like Dane Cook's newer stuff has gotten less, but he, he did also make that terrible movie with Jessica Simpson in... Uh, Employee of the Month. Yeah. I think it was really bad. That was bad. We saw that in theaters, didn't we? Mm-hmm. <laughs> but again, on that note, how many of those big movies do you think were favors for somebody else? I don't know. I think it's... I think one of those things is... With the with the big movie things, with the comedians, mm-hmm. I think it's more along the lines of... Um, it's an idea that was pitched to them. They're like, "Oh, that sounds like a good idea," and they go out and do it. Like, yeah, almost kind of like a cash grab in yeah. the sense, like, "You're hot right now. Here's a movie." Right, like Rob Schneider or Adam. <laughs> Rob Sand- Schneider Rob Schneid- is a carrot. M. Sandler, um, what is it? Chris Farley, Eddie Murphy. They try to do. They try to do it with David Spade after after Chris Farley died. Yeah, that did not. Did not pan out. No, I'm sorry. I love David Spade, but he need he needed Chris Farley to be playing off of. Like even in SNL, the best stuff was when those two were just going together. Yeah. Well, 
Because you need the crazy guy with Chris Farley, and then you need the straight man in David Spade. Yeah, and it's just... hard to replace the straight man. Yeah. I think the only comedian anymore that could probably pull off the movie thing is probably Will Ferrell. But even so, some of like his stuff, it's... It's it gets. Like, I know it's all. Bleh. And at this point, I almost feel like Will Ferrell is more actor than comedian anymore. Like you don't see him but doing shows or anything. True, but everything is still comedy based. Like look at all the movies that he's put right. out. Like he hasn't pulled Jim Carrey, where Jim Carrey was like funny, 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 and then he did the movie Twenty Three, and it's kind of like, eh. right. And then just took that serious turn for the rest of his movies. Well, no, actually, Serious Turn started with, uh, what was that, Truman Show, didn't it? Truman yes, Show. Truman yeah, Show, and that was fucking fantastic. <clears throat> I mean, that, that had so some good. funny moments in it, but oh, was that was it, definitely a much more serious. was a Cable series. Guy? I don't remember. No, Cable Guy was more comedy than anything. Yeah, Cable Guy definitely was. He just kind of had a serious end on it, I Was guess? it just me, or did Cable Guy feel more like a thriller than a comedy? A little bit. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, because eventually he gets obsessed with that guy mm-hmm. and starts like popping up places, which is very thriller esque. It's just like, what the fuck is going on? Yeah, yeah. Like it starts out as a comedy, like yeah. Then it kind of degrades into well, not degrades, but it kind of transitions into a thriller. That's like um, when I watch no, not comedy, but Good it kind of yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, the first time I saw Black Swan, mm-hmm. I was just like, yeah, "This could be fucking like these chicks and she's dancing and whatever." And then it's a I, good movie. it's a fucking fantastic movie. I've heard I that. love I've that. Movie. Still never seen it. Oh it's- my god! I'm not gonna tell you anything, just because like you have to watch it and just like as the movie progresses, it's gonna get like you feel like you're the character. You are my favorite. <laughs> my favorite scene, just cinematography wise, is when they're in the club because like you know when they're in the club and like the mu- like the music's going and then it gets like really sketchy and like hazed out and shit. I'm just right. like that's like real life. That's like real life shit when you're just like I'm having the greatest moment ever and you don't remember shit and shit's fuzzy and hazy and you're like dancing. Yeah, you know, yeah, but like. With cinematography in the movie, it's it's the uh, the lead actress and like one of the supporting actresses, and they go to a club. Well, and what? It, it was Natalie Portman and Mila, Mila Kunis, Kunis, right? Yeah, and like in the club, it's essentially they simulate like a brownout, but like it goes it, like the music's pumping and like there's like color washes and it fades in and fades out. It gets scratchy and shit. And you kind of see like little blurbs of them, almost kind of like you remembering. Right, it's really fucking good. Like it's such a good movie. It's, it's- it's on my to watch list as is a belated one thing. But. I do remember seeing it in theaters. That was that was a movie you had to see in theaters. Like it wasn't just a TV screen could get yeah. Get it I watched it on my computer, but I I would agree that that would be one that like if they re released it and just like hey man we're doing like you know little cheapo movies that already came out like oh sure Black Swan's three bucks like fucking <laughs> right let's go see Black Swan <laughs> hell yeah yeah it was a good movie. It really was. I think I saw it twice in theaters. Wow. Was that I do. I would. I would. I would definitely go see Black Swan in a theater setting because, just like the like just the score and everything was really good. And then like that scene and it just it it would it'd be very good to see. Yeah, I agree. It's, it's definitely on my to see list. It's like um, what was it? Uh, when Tron Legacy came out, I didn't get to see it in theaters, and I was just like, I don't really want to watch it anywhere else but a theater because of how big and grandiose 
the movie itself oh, absolutely. is. Absolutely, there are definitely those kind of movies that I've seen in theaters. I'm like, this is really good, and then I see it later, and I'm like, I remember this being better. That one was good. It was, I saw that one on IMAX. That was the oh, I bet that was cool. shit. That I bet was, that was cool. It was really good. But I don't think it did that well. I liked it, but it did. No, it, it did not. I I might be one of the few people that says they like that movie, but there's always got to be one. All around, I mean, I've seen bits and pieces of it. I think I watched most of it, but just seeing IMAX would have been like phenomenal. Yeah, like mindgasm. Tron Legacy was sweet. I wish they would make another Tron. I just like, I like that color palette. Yeah, just like the the whole like futuristic. It's like gray, and then they have, yeah, then they the like, gray and like the splashes of the blue and the red, red and like splashes of white and like light grays. It's very monochromatic, but then they accent it really well, right? With other things. Have you ever tried watching the original Tron? Oh yeah, I can't sit through it. <laughs> I just can't. I've watched it. <sighs> <laughs> okay, just, no. like that movie's bad, but everyone just shits all over the Tron Legacy one, which I don't get. That's because everyone's having nostalgia. Exactly, like they they have their nostalgia where they're like, "No, it's good, it's awesome," and then even if they watch it in the back of their head, they're thinking like, "This isn't as good as I thought it would," but they're still gonna argue like, "No, it's the best." Yeah, there's certain people, and I I, I think this is a lot about just music. Certain people, um, obviously they're pioneers, but because they came out first, everyone says they're the best. Mm-hmm. It would never fold, even if it's just kind of like, all right, this album's kind of good, but since the album's 30 years old and it was the first of its kind, like, I get it, like, there were new groundbreaking things and this and that, but it's just kind of like, come on. Well, I mean, and I don't think it's the case in particular for this band, mm-hmm. but I was talking with a guy, uh... And we were just talking music and whatnot, and he said about how he's not really a big fan of the Beatles. I knew it was coming. And I'm just like, eh, like, I, I, I understand, but he his whole argument was exactly what you were just saying, essentially, like, well, they were just, like, the really first big band to really blow up and all that kind of stuff. I said, yeah, and, and I said, and obviously the music's not going to be for everybody, that's a given, mm-hmm. but uh, I've said you can't deny that they pioneered and everything. No, absolutely not. And I, that's also one of the things that we don't get. And that's that sometimes that's kind of one of the factors is like we don't see the influence that it had on that period of time because also that's one of the things that makes it great. Like we weren't around to see that. So when somebody's trying to explain to us, like, oh, this was really great, and this, and we're kind of like, eh, but we don't see the influence that it had. Right. So it's kind of like that whole, that whole thing is lost on us, and well, I mean... Well, it's kind of like we were talking about last episode with uh, my co-op kids asking, was Y2K a big thing? Yeah. And then you were comparing it to how we might have the same reaction towards, like, the Cold War or something yeah. like that. Like, just because, like, we didn't live through it, like, and there's people, I mean, for those of you who don't know... Cold War was just like this... It was essentially like this really big stalemate with lots of guns. I mean, that's literally what it was. But it was like this war that didn't happen. And but it, Well, it was kind of fought through proxies, like Nam and, and Korea yeah, and all yeah, that yeah, stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It, 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 it did, but it didn't happen. And it was like this big thing, and it lasted for a long time. <clears> and then like they, everyone was on high alert for all these years. But it's just like, we would never know 
because we didn't go through it, like you said, in the same way. When you and had, our parents went through it. Yeah. Like, our parents, we I'm pretty sure we've all seen those terrible, uh, those terrible, like, doomsday movies and everything. <laughs> where they, Hide under your desk, it's going to save you. Exactly. Like, if a nuclear bomb is coming, you'll hear air, uh, you'll hear air raid sirens. Hide underneath your desk. It like, will help. <laughs> like, motherfucker, if this, mi- uh, so you're telling me I can use this desk to, to deflect a missile to the face? What the hell is this desk made out of? Adamantium. <laughs> that would have to, like, I deliver Or vibranium. Or vibranium, or yes, vibranium. vibranium and yes. adamantium combo. Together, yes. Combo. Yes. Which would make... That really would be, like, an impenetrable That desk would be there. Captain America's shield. Yes. <laughs> so I don't think they would make all these desks out of... I don't know. They're I mean, really trying to protect the kids, Steve. So they... they and, and this school, you know, <laughs> had a little... It had a little extra funding and whatnot, so it thought it'd yep. go, like, the extra mile. They had a food drive for new desks. <laughs> <laughs> I kind of wanted one of those desks now. Like, no, I'd take the shield, though. I wonder how heavy that yeah, would be. I'll take the Captain America shield. Oh, hell yeah. Imagine, Did no. that guy that made the Captain America shield? He actually made one? Like, like it, it magnetically attaches to his arm. Oh, jeez, that's cool. All right. Okay. I did not see that. I did not. It's pretty cool. But <laughs> you could, should look it up. Can you imagine, since it always comes back, can you imagine like being in traffic and somebody's being an asshole and their window's down and you just pop them in the face real quick with the shield and like drive <laughs> off? Like, <laughs> like ricochet I off? Think A drive-by shielding. There's one thing <laughs> in those uh, Marvel movies that they never go over is... I don't think anyone would survive a blow from, from, the yeah, from, from the, that shield. Yeah, yeah, because you got to think. First off, Captain America's super powered, super soldier, <laughs> so he's going to throw really so fucking he's hard, it really hard. And then it's made out of like this unbreakable metal, yep. and then it's slamming into your flesh. face, human <laughs> flesh, exactly, not modified in any way, yeah. just human flesh. Like when he was throwing it at people in the first Captain America movie, I'm like, that should be slicing through those Nazis. <laughs> Why do you think Hydra has so many people on payroll? <laughs> just in case, they all, all got life insurance policies. Hell yeah, the they're all replaceable. Oh, absolutely, they have to. Otherwise, it's just... Yeah. And they've got life insurance policy out on them, so that way they make their money back off. Oh, uh, yeah. Them. It's a return investment. It's the same way when, like, Batman doesn't quote-unquote kill people, but it's like, you left that motherfucker wheelchair-bound for life. <laughs> like, he he's not dead, but he definitely needs he's a fucking, feeding tube. He's feeding from a tube You for the fucking rest of his life. deserve to have your back broken by Bane for the <laughs> amount of times you broke people's Other backs. Other Yeah, like... Oh, I didn't kill him, but you absolutely, like, broke that guy's jaw and, like, broke his femur in two spots and probably, like, made him slip a disc or some shit. When you look at it, Batman's kind of a dick. Little bit. There was a... Back to the, like, dystopian thing. There was a Ted... It wasn't a TED Talk, it was a TED Ed or whatever. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And it was talking about utopian societies and dystopian societies. Sure. They were talking about how utopian societies, that concept existed way before the dystopian societies. And then it wasn't until Gulliver's Travel that um, (laughs) they introduced dystopian societies. Where where things are taken to too much ex- too, too far extreme to one end or the other. Uh, yeah. So uh, at the end of it, they're just like 
well, you can't really have a utopian society without a dystopian society. So yeah. they're like, either someone's going to be happy or some, and, and someone's going to be sad or the other person's going to be happy. And, so they're going to be perfect. Sad. But just you saying Gulliver's Travels made me think of uh, Marcus and Mine's one episode. Oh, of Oliver's, John, John Oliver's, Oliver's Travels. travels. <laughs> uh-huh. Mm-hmm. But yes, you're, I mean, you're absolutely right. That's, there's no making everybody happy. And unfortunately, with the way the world works, if one person's happy, that's going to mean another person's not. Yeah. That's how, that's literally how everything works. If you try to appeal to one demographic for anything, you're going to turn off another demographic. That's just how it works. So if you know what you're trying to do, then you just keep trucking. Like, and I mean, it's to try to appeal to everyone is useless because you're just... It's impossible. Yeah. I mean, you can you can try and, and pander at that point, because that's what you're doing, to everyone's needs, everyone's wants, everyone's desires, but by pandering to one person's wants and desires, you're not pandering to another person's, and you're actually pissing off the other person. Yeah, like, I saw somebody describe it, it's just like, yeah, you could be the best, um, it was like, you could be the best, like, sweetest, juiciest apple ever, and somebody out there isn't going to like apples just because that's not their thing. Mm-hmm. That or they don't like juicy apples. They like the apples that are more dry. Like mm-hmm. so on Utopian societies, Star Trek, and my thoughts are, I would like to see what society looks like, not from the Starfleet perspective, but the people of Earth. Of because yeah. we have, we only ever see Starfleet. Hmm. There's a couple times they go to Earth. Yeah, but it's not like there's a main character that lives in that. Yeah, in that realm. Sure, sure. I mean, you know, Starfleet's like the whole societal like Congress of, of planets and everything. But yeah, I mean, you're right. I I think I would like to see it from um, the mentality of a group that's not part of Starfleet at all. Like Earth is considered part of the Earth Federation or the right. Starfleet Federation. But then I'd like to see it from like a Borg perspective or. Um, well, you know, we're never... Or like, Klingons before they joined the fleet. Well, we never really get, uh... Like, the first time I think we ever get to see society that's not in Starfleet is probably in the darkness. Yeah? Because, like, we don't... Like, they're flying around doing... But I didn't think there was, like, a society outside of Starfleet. I thought life was just Starfleet. Right. And... Star Trek, if that makes any sense. No, like, I know what you're saying. I, I understand what you're saying. <coughs> I mean, they see... I mean, that's the whole thing of Star Trek. It's they're exploring. They see other societies and other planets that aren't part of it. But at the same time, they're not... They're not not part of it on a more than global manner. Like, they're not multiple planets kind of thing. No, I meant like... So they're on Earth, and there's a Starfleet, like, base. Right. Yes. But there's... Earth isn't just Starfleet. It's other people's... Yeah, take. other people's base and, like, other people's inhabitants as well. Right. Gotcha. That's why I meant. Like, gotcha, yeah. gotcha. Like, it's, it just seems odd to me. We're always... They're always talking about Starfleet and Star Trek, but we yeah. never hear about... Any other... Like, any, any other thing. Any other thing on Earth. Like, the people of Earth. It, like... It seems like everything revolves around Starfleet, but there are other things going on on Earth. 
Yeah, yeah, they just don't ever. They just haven't ever flushed out that that piece of it. Yeah, you're right. So. Hmm. <laughs> All right. Well, on that one, we're gonna go uh, explore other dystopian worlds. So let's go to like Felton <laughs> or Red Lion, <laughs> or you know, like just walk outside <laughs> into the heat. Yeah. Yeah. It's starting to turn a lot into that. Um, the Twilight Zone episode where <laughs> she's like really hot mm-hmm. the the apartment the, there's like a huge heat wave through New York yeah and then she wakes up and they're like this snow has never stopped coming down so she went from one one extreme to the other one apocalypse to the other apocalypse that is my own personal <laughs> fucking hell <laughs> I think I would personally love to live in a snowful world fuck that they weren't warm, Nick. They were, like, wrapped in blankets trying to stay warm. I would rather be cold than hot. Give me, like, 70 degrees. Just, like, right right before it gets too hot. That's <laughs> all I need. Because I don't like being cold because I hate wearing a million fucking layers and but I don't like one, being hot. You have that onesie. I do. I got my fucking snowsuit and it's boss. But I don't want to wear it every fucking day. <laughs> And I also don't like coming outside and feeling like, oh man, I'm gonna like sweat my intestines out through my ass. Like walk outside, like I think my shoes might melt. It's a good colon cleanse. You stop. Gross. <laughs> Weird. Dismissive. All right, fine. Done with this. But anyway, my name is Marcus. I'm not trying to get my colon cleanse via the sun. Yeah, we do not support this mentality of colon cleansing. Now that's what I call a brown out. Oh! <laughs> Steve with the dad jokes. Anyway, I made a lot of dad jokes on the road. <laughs> I can only imagine Maggie just like, oh god, another one. You're like, ha ha, I'm on a streak. The worst thing with dad jokes is that the dad is always like the only one laughing. Yeah. Everyone else is just... It's still enjoyable. Uh, yeah, just like, oh my god, again? Again. And the, the worst is like, like, did you hear me? Ah! So yeah, my, we, my dad does that where he's like, I said I said this, Nick, did, did you get it? I said, did you get I'm like, yeah, I got it, Dad. It wasn't funny. That's why I'm not laughing. There was a joke I wanted to make about that Netflix movie, Bright, where I was going to say, that wand sure makes this movie bright. Ba-doom. Boo. <laughs> Boo. 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 No, I can't deny I have made some a dad joke or two of my own. Like when I was still living with my father and my dad was making dinner, he asked me one time, which rice do you prefer, brown or white? And I said, it doesn't matter to me, I'm not a racist. Ah. That was good. He started cracking up and I was just like, I felt instant shame for saying it. <laughs> one of the one of the best. It wasn't even a dad joke. It was just a random joke. Um, my friend Jackie say. So what did the dog say to the carrot? What? I don't know. Nothing, you fucking idiot. Carrots don't talk, and neither do dogs. <laughs> and that's the episode. Yeah. <laughs> so you can find me. Pretty sure I botched that joke, but who gives a shit? <laughs> oh yeah, it was nothing. You idiot. Dogs don't talk. But I included the carrot because it fell left out. My name is Marcus. You can find me at Q-U-E-Z-M-A-V. 
And that is for Instagram, and that is also for Twitter, and that S-I-R-M-A-V is for the Snapchat. I'm Steve. Goodbye. And I am Nick. You can find me on Snapchat, Instagram, and Twitter, all underneath NLens42. That's N-L-E-N-Z-42. Don't forget to hit up the official Trophy Husband. Yeah. Trophy the Husband's Twitter. Husbands. <laughs> I'll cut that out. Don't forget to hit up the official Trophy, trophy Husband's Twitter at the true trophies but then on that note folks we're going to call it a sode everyone have a good day have a good week have a good month have a good year have a good life and we will catch you as always every hashtag trophy tuesday